0: Therese Snow is a 22-year industry veteran, colorist, educator, and co-owner of Cassell Salon Collective in Arlington, Virginia. Today, we're going to hear all about her hair journey and how she became a salon owner. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I'm your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm with Therese Snow. How are you, Therese? Doing well.
1: How about yourself, Robert?
0: I'm so good. Thank you. I'm very excited to have you on the show today.
1: Likewise.
0: Um, So, I have uh questions about the concept of the salon collective, but I think it's first more first and very important to hear uh your hair journey, your story, and the like getting to where you are uh a lot of our audience members are interested in becoming salon owners uh but also some are just interested in knowing like what different path career paths have been like, so why do not you uh give us a little bit of insight into that story,
1: yeah, so you know. I grew up in Ohio in, a very, in the Rust Belt, in a very uh, blue-collar town, and after college, I majored in English, and I wanted to be a poet, and in a blue-collar town, you're not really going to pay the bills doing that, so I had a lot of friends who were doing hair, and quite successfully, um, and so I was inspired to go to beauty school after I earned my degree in English, and at the same time as beauty school, I was working in a salon, answering phones, but really taking in what was happening, and I had this... Um, wonderful mentor before she was even officially my mentor as i was you know learning just really take me under her wing and share a lot of information and i just watched her um practice the craft with so much passion and at the time you know you're you're in your 20s and you think oh my god she's almost 50 and she's so passionate and here i am nearing that age and i'm like damn you could still be really passionate so Um, Right out of beauty school, I started teaching for a color company, and education has always been at the core of who I am as a stylist. Um, I started right away teaching for a manufacturer, just, you know, kind of in salon classes, product knowledge, and then about five years into my career working at that salon, um, I was working with my sister-in-law. We worked next to each other, and um, I knew I was going to be getting divorced and knew I had to make a change. And so I started to research what's next. You know, it's, it's at that point in my career, I was five years in, you still have a little bit of a, I don't want to start all over behind a chair, build an entirely new um, clientele. And so I started to teach, um, I applied and I left my behind the chair and spent eight years working in um, an institute and it was an Aveda Institute in Ohio and eventually the same company we branched off and had a location in Las Vegas as well. So I had a lot of opportunity and developing curriculum, developing educators and developing leadership. And that was an amazing journey uh, for eight years of my career in this field. And then in 2012, uh, the the owners of the salon and school said, we want to open in DC, in Arlington. I said, let's do it. And so I've been back behind the chair for 10 years now. And in 2020, um, yeah, I became co-owner. I have been working, they owned the beauty, the Institute. So they're dear friends of mine, 17 years with them. And then in 2020, the founder, um, he's had salons for 30 years in Ohio, decided to retire. And now his husband and I, have the business in Arlington.
0: Okay. Oh, so um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, so I hear you talk about the Institute, but it also sounds like you're talking about salons as well. Is that right? Or
1: yeah. So um, it's called Cassell's day spawn salon in Ohio. Um, We're kind of, we, created a new brand when we came to this market. Uh, And when I took over, I rebranded. But Cassell's Despawn Salon in Ohio, there are two huge salons there. And then at one point in time, we had two Aveda Institutes, so very ingrained in that world. Um and then it was we we wanted to expand the market uh the founder had ties to this area um really worked here, started his hairdressing career here, but really he's an artist by trade and just loved to be around art, so he decided to open here and that's when um i I followed suit and came to manage and help build a team
0: okay, and so do you have uh, what is your relationship to the Aveda Institute in Arlington? just out of curiosity none or
1: no. Yeah. Um, uh, most of, a lot of Veda institutes are privately held and oh, okay. yeah. So we had to French for lack of a, it's a bad word. It's not technically a franchise, but we had two Aveda institutes.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. And then the one in Arlington had is owned by Neocorp and they have a, a large presence in the Aveda institutes and they run amazing schools. So, um, our relationship is, you know, really just recruiting from them and,
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, but you do, but you, it sounded like your uh, experience Um, at you, what you went to Ohio and I, was at the Invada Institute in Ohio.
1: Te- teaching. Yep. Teaching. I, te- I began. Okay. So after I left five years in the early stages of my career, um, I was doing really well. Um, And then life events happened. I needed to make a change. So I began by being an educator. I, I okay. took a major pay cut, a major step back. I mean, I I went from making like a lot of money to 10 bucks an hour. And um, that's what I love about this business is no matter how many times you fall back or think, "Uh, I need a break or I want to start over, you can rebuild. And that's what I did. And then um, about a year later, I became the director of the Institute. And from there, that portion of my uh, career took off. Okay. Yeah, and I still do. And then I teach currently for, I've always... Even when we opened in Arlington, I taught for Aveda, but now I teach exclusively for Color Space Hair Color. So I travel North America on their team teaching hair color. So I still teach within the salon and outside of the salon. As okay.
0: Well. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm I got, I have questions, but I'm gonna um yeah. Uh, let's see, you said Color Space. Yeah, yeah. And then you said Aveda Institute. Uh, I'm just taking a couple notes here for anybody open. listening on podcast, wondering what I'm doing. Okay. So Veda Institute to style, to salon owner or to stylist.
1: to style. So uh, Veda Institute, we left that, you know, I left and we opened this in 2012 in Arlington, huge move coming from, like I said, Ohio, we're from Youngstown, Ohio, super, super blue collar. It was, you know, um, wonderful culture shock moving to a, you know, quote city and, uh, yeah, building a brand from the, the, the ground up. It was, there was five of us stylists who came from Ohio. Um, two of the young guys were our students at the school. We recruited them right out of school. And then, uh, Sarah and myself and William had been long-term members of the company doing hair and we were, let's, let's go, let's move, let's do something different. And, um, yeah, we started. Okay,
0: okay cool. So I want to just jump back a little bit uh, to get some uh, get some answers to a couple of questions that uh, I don't think you went over. Um, <laughs> did you go to school for your license?
1: Yes, I went to school um, in Youngstown. It was a um, an interesting journey in my hair world. It it, it wasn't um, any program. The education was um, subpar. But it, it, my education happened at night when I was answering phones in that salon, watching these seasoned stylists. Some of them had been doing hair since they were, you know, 16 in, in high school and just really watching them create art and really the mastering customer service. I saw it every night and then I saw the passion. So that's the majority of the bulk of where I obtained information while in beauty school.
0: Okay. So you were working in a salon while you were going to school. Yep. And, uh, how did you pull, how was that? Like, what was that like, you know, were you like, what was your schedule like at school compared to that, the salon?
1: I went to night school, you know, I felt, I loved it. Like I went to night school and then it was really flexible. So some days, the majority of the time I went at night, but then you could go during the day if you wanted to do something else at night. Like I said, it was very different than, you know, going into the schools years later, like, whoa, this is like, Legit. Super
0: rigorous, uh, and yeah, yeah. schedule, right?
1: Yeah. So this yeah. part, I mean, I loved the fact that it was um, I had the ability to do that. I was, you know, a little bit older than everyone else there because I had gone to college and I had rent to pay. So I needed to make money and uh, it gave me the flexibility to do that.
0: Cool. Uh, so um, just uh, just because we're on this topic, this is something yeah. that comes up a lot with us with students. What is your recommendation for a student who is in school and they have their Let's just say, you know, there's night schools and there's day school and then there's different schools have different flexibilities and other schools have less flexibility. What is your advice to somebody who uh, really wants to work at a salon but finds it difficult or challenging uh, in terms of this topic of of, uh, of flexible schedules? Do you have any thoughts or insight yeah, or advice? I, mean, I,
1: I, think, I think find the salon that's going to be flexible for you and go for it because it's invaluable what you learn learn, especially when you're in that learning mind of you're in school every day, whether it's book work, and then you go to your job at night where the same subject matter is being put into practice. It's truly invaluable. So, um, I would find somewhere that's super flexible. Uh, we tend, we, we love that atmosphere. We love, we honor that. And so at our location, we're very flexible because we want to show people or, you know, except, especially the next generation, this is, this is what it is to create, you know, art behind a chair. This is what, where your passions can lead. And the earlier you get your foot in the door, the um, quicker, I feel like your, your track can go. Totally.
0: I totally agree with that. Uh, Okay. So you go to school, uh, you're working in a salon uh, while you're in school, you get out of school and uh, tell us a little bit about that first part of your journey before you went into being educated and open that up a little bit.
1: So I uh finished school and because I had been working at the salon, I, I knew I was gonna work with the, you know, those gals. And um so I started officially assisting uh Karen was her name and she was amazing. And so I probably I assisted her consistently probably about four months, five months before I started to take on my own clients. Um and she she was a she worked like I put on her retouches. I glossed. So it was a tandem sort of uh environment, which was really for my type of learner, really awesome. I was able to grasp a lot of you know, information. And then when I got on the floor, I mean I I I jacked some stuff up because I it was early. It was <laughs> so I'm like, oh, but I worked the atmosphere was so like, uh, I need help. I think I just really screwed this haircut up and someone would come. So it was a really it was a great beginning of my career with, um, you know, three of the women had been hairstylists in the heyday of the 80s. So they really knew how to hustle and to um, smooth over the gas. It was just a lot of so many different aspects of what I carry on today came from that salon. I'll be forever grateful.
0: Nice. I like I like. I like to hear stuff like that. Uh, so, um, So you're assisting and... You you get the transition during your assisting or your apprenticing assisting period. Did you have classes or was it um, a lot of?
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't a salon that had an organized education program like we see a lot yeah. today, um, but uh, constantly going to shows or constantly. Um, oh, this is in New York. This is in Columbus. We were constantly. I want to say five, no exaggeration, five to six times a year going places where nice. um, the awesome. hog, we went to these big names now that I'm like, oh, man, you know, right out of I forgot about this right out of right at the end of my assistantship, we actually came to D.C., for a week. And I took a cutting class at Graham Webb for an entire week of uh, the British foundations or whatever it was. And so we spent a week and I mean, that was a big investment of my own money into my career at the point when I really wasn't making that much, but it was, it was worth it. it
0: That's was, awesome. You know, I yeah. used to teach at Graham Webb.
1: Oh, it great. It was awesome.
0: Yeah. It was uh it was a great school. Okay. So, um, all right. So we you, I love this so far. I feel like this is like so much great information, especially for like the rising stylists. And so were you working on models and stuff like that during uh, this time or was it just assisting and, and going to these shows and classes and stuff?
1: Yeah. And I would say unofficial models, like friends and well,
0: yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: And then I think like, even she would have me do like her, her client's kids, you know, like even nice. in color. Oh, he wants something fun. Like, it, you know, so uh, but nothing laid out or nothing official.
0: Got it. Okay. Um,
1: yeah. So it was kind of, kind of thrown in, but at the same time, I felt supported in that. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So then you grow you get, you go in, and then you're doing hair there for how long?
1: About five years. Five, five years.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's when you had the life changes that yeah. ended. You got you ended up at teaching at Aveda.
1: Yeah. So uh, the largest salon in the area was Cassell's and it was an Aveda Lifestyle co- um, Lifestyle Salon. So it was very different for the area. It was departmentalized. It was very intriguing to me. Um, but at the same time, it was intimidating to walk into a salon like that and just start over. You know, I had a balance. Oh, I financially, can I take that step back? Probably could have, but I wanted something completely stable, which was, oh, they own the school. Let me let me start there. And so I applied for a teaching position and uh and started teaching there.
0: Cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um as far as uh getting into education, what would you say uh the the best part and the worst part about uh about the about being an educator? Educator
1: is. on the institute level? Um, or yeah. in the field. Okay. For uh, uh, how about both? Okay. okay. First the, the institute level, um, the best part is for me, even when I was directing and had to do a lot of the um officey stuff, it was that passion that's on the floor. It was the spark in someone's eye when they got it. It was um the the stress of like, no, we can make we can do this, we can. We can, it was just so, we had a very busy clinic floor. So we saw a lot of people. And so we were able to coach on spot and really work with the students. And um, yeah, I loved that aspect. I would leave anything, you know, a meeting or whatever. if If I saw a student needed help, I just, I connected to that because we were all there once, but I think it's important to, especially in that type of town, it was a way out for a lot of kids. Um, that maybe didn't think they had any other option. And so I really wanted to make sure that they uh, thrived. The thing I hated, or I shouldn't say hated, the thing that I disliked is the uh, bureaucracy, the um, the funding, the having to meet, you know, and then the schedule and you can only miss these days. And, well, you, you know, everybody has a story. You know, for me, that was a very hard um part of leadership was, you know, I, I empathized with these kids who had a lot going on at home, whether it was their own children or, you know, family issues. It was um, so that part I, I it doesn't resonate with me. It didn't. It stopped resonating with me. And frankly, uh, yeah, the founder of our company, it's one of the reasons we got out of the institutes. It just started, we we would just like to jam out hair. We we like to, you know, we used to teach razor cutting by charcoal drawing. Let's think about how light we're using our hands. Or we've taught hair color with watercolor and oil. So we kind of had this really cool vibe going. And then, you know, as the regulations started coming stronger and stronger at uh, technical schools, we were like, nah let's, let's, let's get out.
0: So, yeah, that, you know, that seems to be uh, something that's been coming up uh, more and more and more as I, as I've dove into the hiring of Gen Z and uh, trying to kind of pick apart some of the challenges that the industry has and that, yeah, that, that what you're talking about, you know, with the schools having uh, all these rules to follow and how that impacts their education and their ability to, to take advantage of opportunity while they're in school.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's a conversation for another day, but, uh, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to write that, write a note down. Okay. So telling me about, um, about what's your favorite part and what's your least favorite part about being an educator in the field. And can you also tell us what you mean by in the field?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I, for other brands, I have done this, but currently I, um, Teach for Color Space. It is a newer hair color on the market um, since last year. And so I travel North America, so Canada, and through the U.S., teaching whether it's – typically at this point, it's new accounts um, or revisiting old accounts or bringing in anything from – Uh, A discovery day, which is just, here's the product, here's what we can do to hands-on technical courses. So in the field is like, where am I at this weekend? Where am I teaching?
0: Traveling to other salons? Yeah. Yeah. And what I
1: I mean, I love about it is really connecting. And what I love about working with color space versus the brand I was with before is that we're in concept salons, we're in um, commission salons, but we're also in independent salons. And so I love connecting with every single type of stylist out there, whether they're in a huge salon by themselves and really just, um, it creates this little bit of community that is passionate about hair color. And I uh, just so happen to be using the same color. So I love that part. And you know, the thing that gets old sometimes is the travel, but you know, I'm a sucker for it. Cause it gets you out of it. Kind of breaks the monotony. And totally. It, and going <laughs> into other salons, you you have like one or two reactions. You're like, oh my God, I'm, I love that idea. I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to borrow that. Or like, okay, my team's good. I'm good. <laughs> you know, when you're in it all the time, you're like, oh my God, everyone's driving me nuts. Or uh, look at, oh, we should rearrange this. And then I'm like, nah, we're good. We're good. So I love that aspect of really taking a glimpse at the industry as a whole through these yeah. little windows of opportunity. So.
0: I like that. So from the, your your perspective as a salon owner, you get to you get to see get ideas from other people, but also get to see like areas where um, you maybe have some strength points. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I've
1: Some great, great salon owners. There's a handful of us that connect all the time and um, really trying to make a difference and change. You know, we are a commission structured salon. So we are trying to really appeal to Gen Z, to, to everyone. And so um, it's nice to meet other owners who are on that path and aren't stuck in a, a mindset that is not conducive to this next generation or to the world today, really post COVID.
0: Nice. Uh so uh tell us a little bit about like um how you decided. I know you kind of went over it high level in the beginning, but could you tell us a little again how you decided that it's time to become a salon owner and uh, you know, maybe like a little high-level introduction to uh to your salon?
1: Yeah. So, um, it was, you know, mid 2019 and I had been, you know, back behind the chair since 2012. And when we first opened, you know, we're starting a business in a very expensive area of the country. So we worked five, six days a week. I mean, we, we would be at the Metro with a massage chair, handing out information. So for a, a, maybe like a 2012, at least four straight years, we, it was heads down to the grind mode building the brand building the salon uh, we were fortunate that within the first year we were um, building a name for ourselves and booked and really great response from the the community super supportive community and so in 2019 uh, my now business partner approached me he was the co-owner at the time with his husband and said you know Tom wants to retire do you want to you want to go into partnership. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know, I put in a lot of years as a stylist, as a manager, as an education lead there. And, uh, when we first opened, you, you feel really that, like I said, there was five of us and two of us are still working behind the chair today. Um, you feel really involved and committed. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's part of who I am at this point. So, um, and he's taken a step back. So he is a silent partner. Basically, he handles all the back end, the billing, the payroll, all of that. And I am working with the culture, the stylist, really, um, you know, everything that happens within the salon.
0: I got a question. uh, And uh, you can answer it however you feel comfortable answering it. But I feel like a lot of I get some questions and um, I feel like there's not a lot of answers to certain types of questions. Like, uh, was it pretty, like you're buying into another business. Was this a pretty large capital expense for you? Um, no. no,
1: not, up, not upfront. It, it's, it was, um, we had, have had a good situation in which we made it work for me. And for them at the same time. And so um it wasn't anything major up front from my
0: Okay. Perspective. So you worked it out like something over time?
1: Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So yes. that's
0: good to hear everybody out there that's listening that's wanting to buy into like uh buy into a business or maybe come partners or start up something. Uh, There you go. There's an, you know, you have the opportunity to not necessarily, you can make something kind of go over the course of time or buy in over time, or I don't know, uh, you know, yeah, yeah,
1: just really, um, you know, buying in over time. And there was a period of years in which we have an arrangement and it it really worked for both of us uh, financially. And it worked for uh, me in, you know, no risk in that sense, like of, of a huge financial burden. Um and I'm very grateful and they honored my longevity with them. 17 years they, you know, and that is the, one of the reasons, obviously, why it, it worked out. And so I'm I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, it, I
0: would say that's kind of hard to come by. I feel like when it comes yeah. to business transactions like that, yeah, you know, things can get pretty cut, like, you know, black and white, cut dry and like be yeah. like, okay, well, this is the value. If you want to buy in, this is how much it is, you know, it's like
1: yeah, well, either have it look- or you don't. Yeah, we did that. We looked at the value, and then we came up with a figure, and then we worked out
0: a. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh So, um, tell us about the time uh, cost, uh, a commitment. Uh, be- once you became owner, like, tell us a little bit about. Okay, yeah. so you got the financial stuff. You worked out a deal that worked for you, and and what what I think a lot of stylists, I really want them to understand, is just how much work it is as oh, yeah. a salon owner of opening up a new salon.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even though we were well established and buying in one of the caveats, um, one of the, you know, cherries that that attracted me was um, his partner is was retiring and wanted to focus on painting and traveling. And there's a an age difference between them. And so my business partner was like, I want to travel with him. So I want to step away. I'll still handle the things that that aren't in my wheelhouse the payroll, the, you know, the regulations, the taxes, that's him. And so I said, that's fine. So in in that, we have an arrangement where he's silent partner, um, technically, but you know, we still work together. We've, we've managed together for years. So, um, so yeah, I forget where I was going. (laughs)
0: Uh, no, I was uh, saying, talking about the time that oh, it yeah. takes, the so, amount of work it takes. Yeah. So
1: 2020 is January, 2020, we had a meeting and we oh, announced man. it and then March hit.
0: It yeah. I like,
1: <laughs> yeah, was like, and I was literally like, this is my luck. This is what's oh. happening. But you know, what was wonderful, what was, sh- you know, everything was shitty at the time. As we all know, we closed down for, um, 14 weeks, I think. And, um, The thing that came out of it was a new perspective on the business. It allowed me a pause in which I can really start to rotate the business to where I wanted it to go, which was different than how it was um, organized before. And it really brought our team together as, okay, we got to work together. And so it became a true collective. And so then I did uh, change the name. Um, I think it was, june Julyish, or something of 2020 and uh, change the logo, change the name and started to rebrand from there. It takes a lot of time. It's like, it, there's no joke. There's like days where I'm like, man, if I could just be, just go back to work and do in color and not have to deal. And it's not even, I have an amazing team. It's not, there's no drama. It's just like, Oh, I got to get this on Instagram, or oh, I make sure they call back. Oh, should we offer extensions? Should we do this? It's really keeping a, a pulse on what's happening as in the industry, what's happening with your own salon, what's happening with the future of the industry, and how can we balance all of this to be successful? So it is a.
0: And you got a full book, right? Oh, yeah. right do you work full time behind the chair? Yeah,
1: I work three three. Uh, three days a week behind a chair open to close.
0: Yeah. So like yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So you get, okay, cool. So, uh, you're right. You're you're work. Where you're working more than 50%. You're working three days a week and full days. So it's not like you can get anything done. So it only leaves you with like two days, maybe three if you're working six days a week to do all the other stuff.
1: So I teach, so I'll typically leave to teach maybe on a Saturday or if I I'll either teach away from the salon on Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, so I work behind the chair Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I have Wednesdays as my admin day within the salon or I'm here at here at home office kind of doing stuff. Um, so I have a day set aside to do that. I did in 2021 hire a GM to help me, um, nice organized yeah and really she had a background in the industry I, and uh, I knew her she helped us uh, with the previous brand open our salon she was a sales director um, and I knew I could um, count on her to for the things that I'm not so uh, so focused on which is you know helping to grow the front desk it's not that I'm not focused but she's better at that so it's really finding as an owner that's what I love about the term collective I, there's not it's not a one person show. It takes all of us to um, really keep, keep the heartbeat going.
0: That's awesome. Well, um, I think this has uh, been a great and uh, very informative and uh, educational uh, story so far. Uh, I would like to next time we talk, I would like to dive in and learn more about your salon, uh, the hiring process, what you're looking for, what you offer, and uh, you know all the details. I really like to you to expand on this collective concept, but um, let's do that next time we talk. And right. to wrap it up, uh, I'd like to end with a laugh, if you uh, and ask my guest. If they have an embarrassing moment, uh, something that was not funny at the time, but you could turn around and laugh at it then as it pertains to their career. Did you have something like that?
1: Oh, yeah. It was in the um, very beginning when I was assisting my first, uh, (laughs) when I was assisting Karen and, you know, I have done waxing maybe once. And she's like, oh, just, you know, wax her brows. And, you know, you want to be confident. And then that, you know, early 20, 25 year old, you're like, yeah, I can do it. I removed her eyebrow, and it was like weekly client. I had to see this lady every week. I mean, I felt like uh, so. Oh
0: my gosh! I
1: look back now, and I think of like how nice that she didn't like. There was like a little piece left, but it was. Now I look back, and I'm like, you know, granted, I never waxed again. But
0: did she? What did she? I guess she just drew it on.
1: Yeah, Karen came over and (laughs) drew it on. And she was like, "Oh, it's fine. We won't." Try. You waxed
0: the other one, so it's the, no. The same. I,
1: it was so I was. I had to look at it for a year and a half while I grew back.
0: Oh um, my god! And
1: at the end, like when it started growing back, the woman was very fun. Like made a joke about it as well. I was like, "Thank God, thank God!" <laughs> I couldn't look at her. It was That's
0: so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, and um, I definitely look forward to having you on the get on the show again to learn more about your salon.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. And if you're listening on podcast, please give us a rating and follow us. If you're watching on YouTube or Instagram, please leave a comment below and scri- subscribe, like, follow, all that good stuff. It helps support the channel and it doesn't cost you anything. Until next time, see. bye-bye.